Wow. Good morning. Good morning, Life Church Buffalo. Um, are you guys ready to have fun today? If you're not ready to have fun, then I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to walk outside because we're about to have quite a bit of fun today at church. <clears throat> so, like Pastor Pete just shared, I'm Sarah. I'm the Kids Life Director here at Life Church Buffalo, and that means that I spend a lot of time with your kids. And I know that there are several new people visiting us today, um, so I wanted to take a minute and share just a little bit of background of who I am. So I was born and raised in Virginia Beach, and I have four brothers. I am smack dab in the middle. My dad used to always say that I was the rose between the thorns. <laughs> um, and from a young age, I loved to learn. And in part, this was fostered because I was actually homeschooled. My mom homeschooled me and my four brothers, and she just finished homeschooling the last one last year. And when he graduated, she had been homeschooling for 25 years. So go mom, that's right. <laughs> We are so thankful that she, that she chose to uh, make that sacrifice for us because, like I said, it enabled me to learn and to work at my own pace. I loved school so much that I can remember a time when we took a week off for Christmas, like regular schools did, and two days after Christmas, I just could not take it anymore, and I snuck downstairs into my desk, I grabbed my textbooks, and I went upstairs, and I secretly did homework for fun. <laughs> Let me tell you, I did not grab my math textbook. I left that one downstairs. That one could wait. But every other kind of subject, I just devoured. And this week, as I was preparing for this message, actually, I found a picture of the very first day of school in our house of when I was in second grade. I wanted to share that with you. <laughs> so I'm glad my brothers aren't here today to razz me about that. But you can tell, everyone was super tired, and I was just ready to go. I also had a weird love for Egypt, which didn't really translate to the picture. <laughs> but that's, I was trying to pose like an Egyptian, but anyway. Um, yes, so like I said, homeschooling was awesome because I was able to... Uh, work through extra books. My mom sometimes ordered a couple extra books and I was able to do those. So actually, I ended up doing fourth and fifth grade in the same year. We combined those and I just worked through the extra curriculum. And then fast forward several years and I'm 15 years old and we're halfway through my junior year of high school. And my mom and I were going over my transcript and she was trying to figure out what she needed to sign me up for, what she needed to order for me for that following year. And she turned to me and she said, well, actually, Sarah, according to this, you've actually already completed the requirements that you need to graduate high school. And that started a conversation in my home as to whether or not my parents uh, would hold me back and have me do another year of high school or whether they would go ahead and let me graduate. And they talked to a bunch of the teachers that I met through enrollment, uh, enrichment programs that we were enrolled in, um, and a couple people who knew me really well, and they just asked them, you know, if she was your daughter, would you launch her into the world, or do you think that we should wait another year? And after a few weeks, uh, they made the choice to let me graduate. So that May, I turned 16, and I graduated from high school three weeks later. And that fall, I went to Regent University, which is a Christian university in Virginia Beach. And I loved my time at Regent and the group of friends that I met there. They were a really special group of people. Uh, but I will admit to you that there were times that I was made fun of because of my age, even though it was a Christian school that didn't exempt me from being teased or picked on. And I can remember feeling looked down on because I was young. And I can remember feeling uh, like people were disrespectful toward me, not because of an issue that they had with me personally, but because of a date on a birth certificate that I had no control over. 
So I tried to keep it a secret, but people found out, and, uh, and I can just, like I said, I remember uh, how much it hurt to be treated differently because I was a kid. Uh, and I wanted to share that part of my story with you today because it has caused me to be passionate about reaching the lives of our children and has made me passionate about the hearts of our children. You know, in the past few weeks, Pastor Pete has been sharing about the importance of reaching this, uh, the next generation. And that's a term that we use a lot inside church or outside of church. We refer to the kids who are growing up as the next generation. But I want to share with you today that recently the Holy Spirit convicted me and he showed me that I could no longer call the next generation the next generation because the moment that a child comes to know the Lord and makes that choice to follow Jesus, they are filled with the same Holy Spirit that you and I are. It is, uh, there is no junior Holy Spirit. They are touched and filled with the fullness of God in that moment. And so it's true that they may need to be discipled and they may need to grow in maturity, but I have yet to meet a believer or follower of Jesus Christ who doesn't. And in fact, in the Bible, Jesus ran toward the people that society said weren't good enough, and he ran toward the ones that society said uh, weren't ready yet, and he ran towards the ones that were emotionally impetuous at times, but Jesus qualified them as he called them, and I believe that that is what he does with our kids, and I think that Jesus would have us know today that this next generation isn't next. This generation is here, and it's now. So it is our job and it is our privilege to take this generation and disciple them and raise them up to be powerful for the kingdom. It says in Psalms 127, four through five, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So it might surprise some of you to learn that I am not a hunter. I actually prefer my deer standing in a field, calmly eating crushed apples out of the palm of my hand. That's my idea of a good time, <laughs> kind of like a modern day Pocahontas. Um, but there are hunters in our midst and I was able to borrow this archery setup from a professional archer. Thank you, Paul. Um, and I brought this to show you what a modern day uh, quiver and what modern day arrows look like. So if you were to buy an arrow today for the purpose of hunting or shooting, it would look like this. You can tell that it is machine manufactured. It is flawless. It's pristine. It's aerodynamic. If there ever was a blemish in, a, in an arrow that you bought from the store, you could easily take it back and have it replaced. But in Bible times, that's not the way that arrows were crafted. In Bible times, if you wanted an arrow, you you either had to make it yourself or you had to hire someone. So I actually brought a picture to show you guys of a reproduction of an ancient arrow. An arrow maker would start off by going and finding a stone, which he would then chip away and shape to be the point of the arrow. Then he would go out and he would look for a perfect piece of wood. And once he found this piece of wood and he saw the potential in it, he would work away at it. He would cut away any superfluous parts. He would smooth out the rough patches and he would shape it until it was the perfect shape and size for that arrow. And last but not least, he would go out into a field and he would look for feathers. A lot of times they used eagle feathers or they would use hawk feathers. Later on, they would use goose feathers. But they would take the feathers and they would affix it to the arrow and create a tail. And the purpose of the tail was to keep the arrow on a smooth and steady course once it was in the air. So by the time that an arrow maker was finished with his arrow, let me tell you, he knew that arrow inside and out. He knew how strong it was, how far it could fly, and the damage it would do when it got there. 
And he knew this because he was the one who shaped the arrow. And spoiler alert, but this is what God does with us. Through relationship with him, he shapes us, he crafts us, and he fashions us to be a battle-ready weapon. And just like I shared in this verse, this is the way that the Lord sees children, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, our children born in one's youth. And when the bow and arrow was invented, it changed the battlefield forever. It was the advent of the long-range weapon. For, for the very first time, you could strike against the enemy before they ever got close enough to do any damage. So the bow and the arrow was actually the very first line of offense, and it could take out a wave of enemies, again, before you ever had to engage in any kind of hand hand-to-hand combat. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that in, in Christian culture, we rarely treat our children as if they are the first line of offense or as if they are battle-ready weapons. And what I, what I want to tell you today is that they are. And sometimes we want to keep our children in the quiver and we think they're not ready or we think we're not ready or, you know, if I can just prepare them a little while longer, if I can just keep them safe a little while longer... And I want you to know that arrows in children were not made for the quiver, but arrows were made for the sky. And it is not our job to keep our kids safe from the world, but it is our job and our privilege to make them dangerous to the world. (laughs) So, until we release an arrow from the quiver, we will be denying it its God-given purpose or its God-given function. And I want to propose to you today that release is not a one-time event that happens when your child turns 18 or when they graduate high school or when they move out for the first time. But release is actually a lifestyle. It's a, it's a, a method that we get to practice with the Holy Spirit in releasing our children every day. And maybe you're here today and this proposition that I'm making uh, makes you feel a little bit nervous. Maybe you have some of those questions I just shared. Maybe you think, I don't know that my child's ready. I don't know if I'm ready. What if I haven't done enough to prepare them? Would they succeed in the world? Am I setting them up for a great future? And I want you to know that it is totally okay for you to have those questions. And we're even going to dive into some of that today. Because today, we are going to examine one of the tools that can turn an ordinary piece of wood into a battle-ready weapon. And this is a method that God uses to craft us and to craft our kids. So the question remains, how do we ready ourselves and our kids for battle? And there are several answers to this question, and we're just going to dive into one today. And that is the gift and the tool of hearing God's voice. Because nothing is more dangerous to the enemy than a believer who knows how to hear from God. Nothing is more dangerous to the enemy than a believer who knows how to hear from God and who is willing to do what he says. Um, Maybe you're here today and uh, you don't have kids. I know that we set this up as empowering the next generation, but I want you to know that you also are an arrow in the hand of God. Before we ever have arrows, we are arrows. And so I would encourage you to lean in. And maybe you're here and you haven't been a Christian for very long or you're new to faith and you still have doubts. Maybe you think hearing God's voice is all kind of hocus pocus. And I would encourage you that I'm going to speak to you today as well. So uh, I just thank you so much for being here and for listening. And if you are here today and if you don't believe in Jesus or if you have questions, if this isn't something that you're into, then I want you to know that that's okay. I'm really glad that you're here. And do you have my permission to dismiss anything I'm about to tell you? You can pull out your phone. You can rack up a new high score on Candy Crush. uh, But I'm just really glad that you're here. 
Thank you for being a part of this. But for the rest of us, we're about to dive into this topic of hearing God's voice. And in the Bible, there is a special word used to represent hearing God's voice, and that word is prophecy. If you were raised in the church, maybe you've heard this word before. And whether you have or haven't been raised in church, it might sound old-fashioned or mysterious. And I'm here to simplify that concept for you, because this is my definition of prophecy. Hearing and sharing God's voice. Hearing and sharing God's voice. So God is really good at relationship. In fact, he's kind of the best person I know at relationship. And as we all know, communication is a hallmark of relationship. That healthy relationships have healthy communication. Healthy relationships have healthy communication. It's a two-way street. If I came to you and we were friends and we went out for coffee and I poured out my heart and I told you what was going on and you just sat there eating your decaf or you know, drinking your decaf, that would probably be weird, right? Because we're used to friendship. We're used to hearing people either speak to us or give us the gift of their presence. But sometimes with God, we treat him as if he's unreachable, as if he's somewhere in the sky. And maybe he hears us sometimes when we pray or we bring him a list of all that's going on, uh, but that somehow he is beyond us and that he doesn't want to talk to us, that he's not that close. And I want you to know, God is the God who comes in close. He is a really good friend and he is a really good father. And there is so much in your life that he wants to talk to you about. So in John 1, we find out that one of the names of God is the Word. He not only talks in words, he is the Word. And later on in Revelation 1.15, we hear God's voice described as the sound of rushing waters. The sound of rushing waters. So God not only has something to say, he's got a lot to say, and he is so excited about it. And so prophecy is simply God having a conversation with you. And he may speak to you about your future, or he may give you wisdom and peace about something happening in your life right now, and he may better set you up for your future, and he may even bring you clarity or healing about things that have happened in your past. But but prophecy is God having a conversation. It's that simple. And we're going to dive into five common questions today that people have when it comes to hearing God's voice. And the very first question is this, who can hear God's voice? Who can hear God's voice? Well, I've got a great answer for you, and that answer is everyone. Everyone can hear God's voice. We just learned God is a really good communicator, and he loves relationship, and he wants to speak to every single one of his kids. So in the Bible, we read about how God spoke to the young. He spoke to Samuel. And he spoke to the old in Simeon. He spoke to the believer, Moses, and he spoke to the non-believer, Saul. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, we read, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Because God is a good God and because he doesn't intend to withhold things from his kids, if he's telling us to pursue this gift, it's because it's a gift he wants to give us. So this is a gift that we are able to attain and a gift that we should want to pursue. Now I want to tell you that there is a special role in the church known as the prophet. In Ephesians 4, we find out about what's known as the five-fold ministry of the church. This includes pastors and includes apostles, and one of those offices is the prophet. So a prophet's role is to deliver a special message from God to either God's people or a special group of people. Sometimes it was a nation or a city, Um, but anybody can prophesy. Think of it like this. 
Uh, we could all go out and get a gym membership and we could work out for a month and we could go to Target and we could buy a football and we could go out to a field and any of us could play a pretty rousing game of football. But there are certain people who are especially trained and equipped and who are installed to be football coaches, right, in the NFL. And so this is kind of like that, that there are prophets, but anybody can prophesy. In John 15, 15, this is Jesus speaking. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. All that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And then John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So you have the ability to hear Jesus' voice, and you have the ability to follow him. So who can hear God's voice? Everyone can hear God's voice. The second question is this. Why should we want to hear God's voice? And the simple answer is that because it's a gift. It's a gift to us, and it's a gift to the world around us. It is the way that God tells you that he sees you and that he has a future hope and purpose for you. Prophecy can help us think the way that God thinks, and it can show us his perspective on the things that are happening in our lives. I can tell you that the reason that I am passionate about prophecy today is because in the season of greatest pain in my life, the Lord showed up with a word, and he spoke to me. And when I couldn't see past the fog or past the disappointment or past the darkness, God was able to tell me that he still saw hope on the other side. Prophecy can change lives. God can change attitudes, rechart destinies, hone callings, and heal hearts within a single moment of conversation. In essence, prophecy is God's love language. Earlier, I read 1 Corinthians 14.1 in the ESV version of the Bible, but I'm going to read it now from the message because I love what it says. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts that God gives you, and most of all, try to proclaim his truth. Most of all, try to proclaim his truth. That's prophecy. Prophecy is proclaiming God's truth, and it's a gift that we get to partner with God to bring. We get to partner with God to encourage the world around us. So our third question today is, what does God's voice sound like? So whenever you hear God's voice, uh, I want to give you a metric for discerning when it's God and when it's just other voices trying to get our attention. And the first thing I want to tell you is that we have a really great reference guide for what God's voice sounds like in the Bible. If you familiarize your, yourself with God's voice in the Bible, then when he speaks to you, you will know right away, does this sound like God or is this something different? Because you've already heard him. So it's kind of like when a friend calls you on the phone and if you didn't check caller ID and you just you picked it up, maybe you had Bluetooth in your car, and the second that you hear the, your, their voice, they don't have to tell you who they are. You just recognize their voice. God is like that. He's our good friend. So we can listen to his voice in the Bible. Prophecy is always going to back up the truth of the Bible. It will never contradict the Bible. Uh, you know, when the U.S. Treasury Department wants to train federal agents in how to find counterfeit money, how to discern the difference between real money and counterfeit money. They don't put them in a room with all of the counterfeit bills and tell them to study it. Instead, they actually put them in a room and they uh, put on the table a bunch of stacks of real bills, real money. And the federal agents will spend hours pouring over that money and learning it inside and out. They actually call it the touch, tilt, 
look at and look through test. So they're taught to touch the money, they're taught to tilt it, to look at it in the light, they're taught to look at it, look at the discernible portions on the surface of it, and then they're taught to look through it, to look through it at the light and to see if there's anything that gives it away as a counterfeit. And this is what we can do with the Bible and the truth of the Bible when it comes to prophecy. Prophecy will pass the touch, tilt, look at, look through test. So in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 14.3, we read that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. Upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So to simplify that, I wanted to share the ABCDs of prophecy, uh, which a pastor by the name of Seth Dahl came up with. And that is that prophecy will always build people up, cheer people up, and draw people near the heart of God. Prophecy will always build people up, cheer people up, and draw people near the heart of God. God's words will never cause you to become deeply afraid or anxious, and God's words will never bring shame or condemnation to your life. Now, he may choose to speak to you about a difficult season or situation in your life. I can think of a time in college where the Lord showed me that I had been holding on to pain that someone had caused me and that I needed to let go and forgive them, but there was no shame or condemnation when he said that to me. And the reason that there is no shame or condemnation in the voice of God is because Jesus paid the price for those things at the cross. So God's words will always bring joy, peace, life, and health. So question number four, how do we hear God's voice? Now, if you are like me, maybe you have heard a lot of people say that they have heard the voice of God in words. I can remember that in college, I had a friend who always heard from the Lord this way. And whenever I was talking to her, I loved hearing what, what she was learning and what God was showing her, but it made me think, man, I guess God doesn't really speak to me. I guess if I had more faith, if I had faith like Brittany had faith, that God would speak to me that way, but I just don't have enough faith. And I want to tell you that I learned that God actually was speaking to me. He just chose a different way to do it. And God can speak through more than just words. So the first way we're going to talk about first way that God speaks is through pictures. God is a very visual God. He is the God of the bumblebee. He's the God of the planet Mars. Like he is up to a lot of visual elements in creation. And he loves to give people pictures. So you might hear God in a dream at night. In Genesis, Joseph heard from God in dreams. He was known as the dreamer, in fact. A quick tip on how a dream can be from God uh, so if this happens to you, you can just tuck this away. But dreams from God are often very bright in color. They're very vi vivid, and you can remember details about them. And sometimes when you wake up, you think, I don't know what that was about, but there was just something on that dream. That could be a dream that the Lord is speaking through. He may also speak to you through a vision. This is when you see a natural physical environment, just like I am seeing you now, but then it's kind of like a screen comes over your vision and you're able to see other things that are happening in the spirit. So for example, we've had a couple people tell us that during worship here, they've seen angels, that God showed them that there were angels in the room. And that's an example of a vision. Or God might give you a picture or a mini movie. In Acts 9, God appears to Saul this way and shows him a picture of something that's going to happen. <clears throat> A few months ago, I was substitute teaching in our second through third grade class, and we were studying about how God wants us to follow him. And so at the end, we scattered into different parts of the room, and we just spent a minute praying, and we started off by thanking God for allowing us to follow him. And then I said, now kids, I want you to spend one minute, and we're just going to listen. We're going to ask God, what is one way this week I can follow you? 
What is one way this week I can choose to follow you? And so we listened for a minute at the end, and then I asked them if anyone had anything that they wanted to share. And a bunch of kids raised their hands, and one of them was a boy by the name of Jaden. And Jaden raised his hand, and he said, yeah, God gave me a picture in my mind, and I saw this little hand, and it had a glove on it, and it was waving through a window. And I just felt like God was telling me that this week when I get on the bus, he wants me to be really nice to the other kids around me. So the Lord can speak through a picture or through a mini movie. Another way that the Lord can speak is through words. So he may speak to you just like we talked about through the Bible. Maybe you've, you've read the Bible and all of a sudden there's been a certain verse that has come alive to you uh, or words have flown off the page and it's kind of like they hit you in the face or in the spirit. That can be a way that the Lord uses the Bible to speak to you. Or it could be that something in you settles while you're reading the Bible. We're told in the word that the word is living and active and something about the living spirit of the Bible speaks to the living spirit in us when we read it. Now, God may speak through an audible voice. You know, there's kind of a stigma around this. People think that when God speaks, it's always through a booming, thunderous voice. This is the way it happens in the movies a lot. But in truth, this is actually pretty rare. I do know a couple people who have heard from God this way, uh, but it isn't as common as you would think. So if you have never heard the audible voice of God, you are in good company. Um, but he may choose to speak that way. Or he may choose to speak through an inner audible voice, which is when it's really loud on the inside of you, but no one around you would have heard it. Or he may speak through that still, small voice. In the Old Testament, we read a story about how God showed up in a whisper. So the Lord can speak through words. In that same class that I was teaching with the second and third graders, there was another little girl at the end who raised her hand and who wanted to share what she'd heard. And the first thing she said is, Whew, this is going to be challenging. And I said, what is it? What did you hear? And she said, well, I have these two friends at school, and their names are Abby and Emma. And Abby is like my best friend, and we have so much fun together, and we love to play. And Emma sometimes teases us, or she makes fun of us. And she said, and I just heard God tell me that this week at recess, he wants me to play with Emma. And I knew that she had heard from the Lord because it pushed her way out of her comfort zone and also demonstrated the heart of Christ. So that week at recess, a little girl named Emma got to be loved on. And who knows what was happening in her life that caused her to act out in those ways anyway. But she got to feel the love of the Father because he spoke to a little girl on a Sunday morning through an inner voice. So God can speak through words. And he can also speak through thoughts and impressions. I think that this is a common way that the Lord speaks that we're not always aware of. Um, this is a way that the Lord speaks to me a lot, and I used to dismiss it, or I thought that it was just coincidence, or I thought it was just me, and now I know that this is actually a way that the Lord speaks through people. God may give you a divinely inspired thought. In Romans 12, we read that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I believe that any avenue of our life that we submit to Jesus, we also give him permission to come into and to transform. So if we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, I believe that it means that Jesus can share headspace with us and that he can share truths about the world with us that we wouldn't have through natural knowledge. So he may speak through a divinely inspired thought or through a moment of intuition. Maybe you don't know how you know something, but something in your knower just knows. And that is the way that the Lord speaks. And the Lord also speaks through inner promptings. Maybe you've ever had a time where there's been an old friend that has popped up in your mind for the first time in a long time, and you reached out to them, and you found out that they were going through something really hard, and for whatever reason, they just needed to know that someone cared for them at that moment. If that has ever happened to you, I would suggest to you that that was the Lord speaking to you. 
I have a four-year-old nephew. His name is Liam. He is my pride and my joy. And uh, he is best friends with my father, who he calls Poppy. And every once in a while, he will grab his mom's phone and he will use Siri to call Poppy, and he will invite himself over for a sleepover. And then Liam and Poppy go on escapades. And when that happens, my dad always sends us a text or he sends us an email with different Liamisms or things that happen while they were together. So last week, my dad emailed me, and he told me how he had taken Liam to the beach, and they met a little boy there named Noah, and Noah was five years old, and he had a boogie board, and he and Liam started playing, and they were having some trouble getting it through the waves, and after a minute, Noah said, man, I'm just going to give up. And Liam, in all his four-year-old glory, jumped to his feet and said, no, you can't give up. God is everywhere, and God never gives up on us. And he said, look, he's in the sand, he's in the water, he's in that cloud. And Noah turned to him and said, that is just a cloud. And Liam said, no, God is in that cloud. And if God is everywhere and he never gives up, then we don't get to give up either. And my dad said that for a minute, he watched in stunned silence as Liam waxed on about how God was over there in that seagull and how God was over there in that family at the beach. Um, And he said that he was amazed because the theology and the knowledge that Liam was sharing wasn't adult, I'm sorry, wasn't child theology. It wasn't something he could have known in his own four-year-old mind. He was actually sharing grown-up theology. And the other thing he said was that he had a a sort of zeal, a sort of passion that came alive uh, that wasn't natural for a little four-year-old boy. And I believe that in that moment, the Lord was allowing Liam to see the world the way that he does, and that he was allowing him to feel his heart for the world. So God may speak to us through thoughts or impressions. And the fourth way we're going to talk about that the Lord speaks is through feelings. Now, we are all human beings, and we all have natural emotions, so I am not talking about those. If you go home this week and you get an argument with someone, I do not want you to tell them, I can feel that God is really angry at you. (laughs) That is not the voice of God. (laughs) But the Lord sometimes interrupts our natural emotions to show us something that's happening in the Spirit. For example, in the Bible, the disciples felt a burning in their heart when they were with Jesus. And so sometimes you could be in a moment or you could be hearing a song and you might feel the presence of God and you might feel your heart burning or you might just feel um, a, a feeling of peace, but you can tell that God is there in that moment. That is the way that the Lord speaks to us. And he also, at times, gives us the ability to feel someone else's emotions. So this is one step beyond compassion. But this would be if I were praying with you and I didn't know your story, but all of a sudden, maybe I felt really anxious. If I could feel anxious when I prayed for you, I can go to God and I could say, Lord, I feel like this person's really anxious. What is it you want to show them? What is your truth for this situation? And then I could hear what God says. Maybe he wants to give them peace and I can go back and I can pray and release that over them. But there are times in prayer or in life where we can suddenly feel an emotion of someone around us. And I think that in that moment, the Lord is drawing attention so that we can give the gift to the world around us through prophecy. And the Lord may also allow us to feel his emotions. So maybe you've been praying for someone or you're talking to someone and all of a sudden you feel overwhelmed with love or with joy or with peace. That can be a way that we can feel the emotions of God and that we can release that to other people. I know the story of a grandma who took her five-year-old granddaughter out to lunch and they were in a restaurant. And uh, they noticed after, after a couple minutes that the little girl wasn't acting like herself. She'd kind of withdrawn. And so the grandmother turned to her and she said, hey, honey, are you okay? Is everything all right? And the girl said, 
no, there's a woman in that corner and I can feel that she's really sad and I can't stop thinking about it. And so the grandma said, thank you so much for telling me. Let's take a moment and let's pray for her. So they prayed for her at their table and then they continued with lunch. And a couple minutes later, the exact same thing happened. The girl said, I just don't know what it is, but she's so sad. I can feel it. And so the grandma said, okay, we're going to pray one more time, and then we're going to let it go because we can trust that Jesus heard us and that he's good. And so they prayed one more time, and then the girl was able to shake it off and move on, and they were able to enjoy the rest of their lunch. But in that moment, God allowed her to feel something for this woman so that she was able to pray for her. And I love that story because it shows that the grandma was also attuned to what was happening with the child. And when something was uh, out of the ordinary, she didn't dismiss it. She actually leaned in and they got to pray for someone out of it. So the Lord may speak to us through feelings. All right, I'm going to do a quick recap of what we learned so far. Prophecy is hearing and sharing God's voice, and it is for everyone. Every single child of God can hear God's voice because he wants to talk to us. Prophecy is God's love language, and it is a gift he gives to us and to the world around us. And prophecy will always build people up, cheer people up, and draw people near the heart of God. And prophecy will always back up the Bible. And the Lord may choose to speak through pictures, through words, through thoughts, impressions, or feelings. So this brings us to our last question for the day, question number five. And that is, how do we grow the gift? How do we grow in hearing God's voice? What comes next? And I'm happy to tell you uh, that I created a special webpage on our website this week just for this purpose. If you are interested in going deeper, if you are excited about learning more about hearing God's voice, and I hope that you are, you can check out lifechurchbuffalo.com forward slash arrows. I filled that page with resources for training children to hear God's voice. There are some studies that you can do that will help you grow in hearing God's voice. And there are even a couple e-courses that you could take your life group through. If you're interested in going deeper as a life group, you can check that out as well. And at the top of the page, you will find a free quiz from our friends at Truth to Table that will help you learn and discern the primary way that God speaks to you. It really helped me when I took that and when I found out the way that God speaks to me. So I would really encourage encourage you to go ahead and do that because it's awesome. And it's totally free resource. Next, if you have a child between grades one and six, I'm excited to announce that I will be hosting a special Arrows workshop on July 24th. I have a couple friends coming in to help me with that. I'm really excited about it. We're just going to have fun hearing God's voice. We're going to activate some of the young kids and just help them learn the way that God is already speaking to them. It's going to be an awesome time. You can sign up for that today at the information table following the service. I hope that you will come and check that out and bring your kids. And last but not least, the best way to grow any gifts and the best way to grow any muscle is through practice. So if you check out your seat back pocket in front of you, you are going to find a little card that looks like this. I designed this this week as a gift that you can take home with you. On the front, it says how to practice prophecy, and it gives you a few prompts. These are some questions that you can ask God both for you and your family and for people around you. And then if you turn it over, you will find a little design like this. I designed this to be kind of like a traffic light. So 
anything in the red section, we're going to slam on our brakes when we're hearing God, uh, and we're going to bring it back to him. We want to make sure that everything uh, in this category <laughs> moves up. Um, here in the yellow section, we're going to pump our brakes. We're going to slow down. We're just going to make sure we're being careful in these areas. And then green is go. So anything in this green section, this is what prophecy is going to sound like. This is how you'll know that it's true and how it comes from the Lord. So I would encourage you to take this and to take it home with you. You can uh, use it in your quiet time, but I also want you to know that the Lord will speak to you anywhere, and he wants to speak to you everywhere, right? As my nephew said, God is everywhere, and he's in the sand, and he's in the seagull. So if your time this week that you have is running, then the Lord will talk to you while you run. I know a lot of people who hear from God in the shower. I know a lot of people who hear from God while they're driving. He loves to trap us into conversations with him. So you can take this home, tuck it in your Bible or in your bag or put it on a mirror, someplace that you have ready access to it. But I hope that you will come along with me in this journey of growing to hear God's voice. And in this journey, not only of equipping ourselves to hear God's voice, but in raising up a generation of arrows for the kingdom. Because again, we're not after keeping our kids safe. We're after making them dangerous to the world and to the enemy. So if you'd bow your heads with me, I'm just going to pray us out this morning. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are the God who comes in close. I thank you that you are the God who's always talking. Lord, I pray that this week we would be awakened to hear you in new ways. Lord, I pray for our image centers, Lord, for anything in our eyes that we've seen that wasn't of you, and I pray that you would give us a blank slate. And for any voices we've heard that have tried to tell us things that wasn't your voice, Lord, I pray that you would erase that as well. Lord, I just pray that we would be able to hear you and to know you, and that from this moment on, you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, I thank you for the children. I pray that you would awaken the hearts of the kids in this church today. Lord, that they would hear you and that they would be raised up as mighty arrows for your kingdom, Lord. We thank you that you have made children powerful. And for every person in this room, I just released over them blessing and the gift of hearing God's voice. And I pray, Lord, that you would surprise them this week with words and with truths about their future. God, I love you so much. And I just pray that you would be with this church and that you would take us to the next level, Lord. We are yours. And it is our privilege to do this life with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Thank church. Let's so give much. it up for Sarah. I'm so proud of this girl. You know, I heard a pastor once say that the voice you listen and respond to will determine the future you experience. We all hear voices every day, all day, voices screaming at us from our family, from society, from culture, from the media. And our job as followers of Jesus Christ is to learn how to listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father because he wants to speak to his kids. How many of you as parents would ever dream of a world where you would never talk to your kids? Mm -hmm. He's talking to us all the time, and the voice you learn how to listen and respond to will determine the future you experience. And I'm so glad that God laid that word on Sarah's heart so that we can ready and prepare a generation both here, this generation, and the here and now generation behind those walls right near, right now, how to hear God's voice to make them dangerous against the enemy. Well, before I dismiss you guys, our kids in our kids' life area of ministry wanted to come and surprise Sarah with a gift. 
she pours her heart out for them on their behalf. And so they're making their way up to the front right now to present a gift to her that she had no knowledge of. They wanted to surprise her with this. So I'm going to invite Tim to the stage, who's going to read a letter that they've prepared to share with Sarah. If you could come up to the stage as well. They wanted to present this to her in front of all of you so that you guys could know their hearts for her as well. So Tim, would you go ahead and read that letter to Sarah? Yes. And if, if you ever need a day off or a vacation day, I think you, <laughs> I think you found someone here. Um, a note of appreciation for you, Sarah. We wanted to give you a huge thank you for all you do for Kids Life. Your, I'm going to cry as soon as these kids come up. Your commitment has been a faithful one. You have dedicated yourself to be a steady leader to all of us through a big growth period at our church. When you first came to, kids, to Life Church, Kids Life had been set up and was ready to go into the next phase. You jumped right in and gave it freely to us. You endured a personal hardship during that time, which made it all the more challenging, but you are an example of kindness and grace and the love of Jesus. We are blessed that God has placed you in our lives. Your godly walk has been so impacting in our church. Thank you, Sarah, for being you and following God's plan for you. We all have been benefited from it. Love your kids' life family. And to close with this verse, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Come and share your master's happiness. Matthew 25, 23. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you.